Father's Day. Hand up if you're a father. You made it. Congratulations. You're a dad. Now turn to your wife and your kids who you came with. Say, thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for putting up with me. So I'm a dad of four, four boys. Youngest is four, oldest is 11. So I've got this all worked out. Know what I'm doing. Not. Um, Yeah. We all strive to be good fathers, don't we? We all want to be successful dads. We want to be dads that lead. You know, I want to be the dad that my sons turn to and say, you know, when someone turns to my child actually and says, how did you learn, how did you learn scripture? How did you learn to pray? How did you, where were you when you gave your, where were you when you gave your, your heart to the Lord? I was beside my dad. Let me tell you about my dad. You know, I want to be that dad. A dad that leads, a dad who taught their, their sons how to treat a woman. A dad that was there when my son received Christ. A dad that shows how to be a loving and caring husband and friend. So I want my children to say, let you tell me, I'll tell you about my dad and what he's like and what he did. So this morning I want to talk about four godly principles that a dad should be following. Four principles that I try and follow in my house and four principles that if you try and follow, you'll be on the right track. These principles I try and live by. So let's pray. Lord Father, I'm grateful that we get to be dads. Father, I thank you for the responsibility that we have as fathers. And Father, I just, I just pray that you give us a, a pat on the back today for what we're doing and what we're led to do, Father. Father, I also pray that you give us a bit of a kick up the bottom of this is what we need to hear today. Because, Father, you're a perfect dad. Amen. Amen. Right. First godly principle. Dads devote their families to the Lord. Scripture, we've got Josh 24, 14 to 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Therefore, so I learned when I was studying this that therefore is important because you look into what's therefore. What's it therefore? Therefore means what's the scripture here for? So if we go back to um, 13 and 12 in Josh, he's just talking about, Lord's talking about how he's blessed me, he's blessed you and he's given you this and he's given you that and I've, 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 I've done so much provision for you and you haven't had to do anything. So therefore... Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Remove the gods which your father served on the Lord on the other side of the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. We can all look back at God's provision in our lives up till now. And that's what he's saying here. We can all look back and see where God has intervened and been in our lives and he's done and he's just he's 
wave, he's just done so many good things for us. You know, we can all do that. And that's what this means. So therefore, serve the Lord. It then goes on to say, if it is, uh, number 15, if it is unacceptable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods, the Amorites, in whose lands you live in. In other words, choose who you serve. Are you going to choose your fleshly desires of money, success, sex, all these things that are out there now that doesn't show a godly God? You can't have both feet in each door. What he's saying is you can't say, I choose this over this. I choose to stand on the man next to me instead of serving the Lord. Because he goes on to say this, which is probably the best part of this. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's not saying, as for my children and my mates around me and those fellas, you guys can serve and every now and then I'll do what I want. He's saying, as for me, as for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. We need to lead as fathers. We don't chase false gods of the money. We don't chase false gods of these things that are out there pushing us away from what we should be doing. The most important thing we can offer our family as fathers is our devotion to the Lord. Your kids don't want money, holidays, vacations. They don't want any of these things. Yes, these things are a subsidiary to this. They, they are there, but your kids don't want that. They don't want stuff. The most important thing you can offer is your time with the Lord, your relationship to the Lord, therefore it runs off onto your children, your devotion to the Lord. Godly families, or godly dads, devote their families to the Lord. So we've got to, uh, my wife's going to laugh at me, when I always say this wrong, Deuterometry? Yeah, that's, yeah, thank you. If she was there, she would have said the same thing. So verse 6, Oh, sorry, chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. This is the Shama. So this is the Shama. So this is what the Jews repeated every day to just impress onto their hearts who they served, who they loved, and just to remind them of their blessings. So number four. So hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. So you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and, and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart and mind. Sounds super easy. I know it's not. With all your heart and mind with your, and with your soul and your strength. I know that's not easy. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart and on your mind. Then it goes on to say, you shall teach them diligently to your children. In other words, you should teach your children with your mouth, your actions, to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and all your strength. Not every now and then, 
Not when it's convenient. All the time. And shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. He's just giving you the how. Exactly how to do it. I don't know about you, but that's, that's all the time for me. I'm either lying down, I'm sitting up, I'm walking, I'm doing something. It says right here. Do it all the time. We, we, we love animal channels, all those bits and pieces in our house. And this is a simple example of how we do it. We'll be sitting there and we're watching an animal program. We'll go, Makaiti, who created that platypus? Because platypuses are weird. They've got beaks and everything. It's, you know, and he will say, God did. And you say, man, isn't God a good God? It's just that simple. Well, you're sitting down eating food and you're looking at a meal that's just amazing all the time. You're like, man, isn't, isn't God a good provider of this meal? Oh, we serve a good God, don't we, son? That's what he's saying. Just with our mouth, share God's love. Show that you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and you share that with your children. It's all the time. And shall bind them on a, on, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be used as bands on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorsteps of your house and on your gates. And I don't, I don't think this is just for little kids as well. I think it also goes for older kids. You know, I think it all as they're growing up, you know, I have an 11-year-old now, and the way I show him I love God and the way to love God is a lot different to how I show my younger ones. You know, but I, I'm starting to teach them different things like godly principles and, and, you know, we own a business and business. Little things like that are what different. I think just because you're older and wiser and maybe you know, your kids are a lot older, I don't think that it, it doesn't stop there. It just changes how you teach them this. Godly dads devote the families to the Lord. Second principle. Godly dads discipline the ones they love. Uh, <clears throat> I thought this was worth bringing up because as fathers, and I love hear the panel, hearing the panel because um, we are called to lead. We are not, we're the spiritual leaders and the leaders of our home. And like I said, um, like we said in that scripture, it starts with us when it comes to serving the Lord. And I think discipline can be muddled up, and it's a, it's a tough word to, to bring up. So it's something I really wanted to talk about, because it's something maybe I was shown a different way, but it's something that the Lord calls us to, which is to, to be done godly. Loving discipline is what they need to see. It doesn't mean tormenting them, doesn't mean hitting them, doesn't mean telling them off with negative words. It means loving discipline. And we've got a good example here of how to do it. I've used the, I've used the Passion Translation here to maybe simplify it because um, it could come across quite harsh if we don't understand it. But it's quite clear in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 6 to 11. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delight, delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. 
For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? My children need correcting all the time. We all should welcome God's discipline as a validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected us and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God and spiritual father as we submit to his life-giving principle. Discipline, sorry. So when I read this, I, I, there was two sides I got from this. One, there's this, you know, number eight, and we should welcome God's discipline as a validation of um, authentic sonship for if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. I love the fact that the Lord has me on his heart to correct me and get me ready for life and prepare me for whatever's coming ahead and prepare me to prepare my children. And then number nine again, and, it is, and isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Now, when I thought about this, I didn't grow up with a dad, so my dad was missing until I was about 10, 10 or 11. And I had, a, I had a number of dads in between then. And their version of discipline was, was either physical or negative or harmful. You know, so this is the discipline I grew up with. And I didn't grow up with that respect that this is saying that you get from someone that lovingly disciplines you. You know, and I guess if, I, if everyone here, whoever has had a loving father that lovingly disciplined them, I bet you if I asked you to put your hand up and I said, look, were you grateful for that loving discipline? You'd agree. Because it's what prepared you for what was ahead of you. Our parents connected us for a short time of our childhood and as it seemed good to them, but God corrected us throughout our lives for our own good giving us an invitation to share his holiness. Now all discipline seems to be painful at the time, yet later it will produce transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. I want to go back to that one. Yeah, I've got a note here. I just, I just thought this, I read this this morning as well. Number 11, now all discipline seems to be painful at the time, yet, is, yet later it will produce a transformation of character. This is what discipline's meant to be like. It's not meant to be, I'll show you. What are you doing, you idiot? That's not what you're meant to do. You're never going to get anywhere. It's, that's not discipline. Discipline is meant to be loving, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield it. Second Timothy three, sixteen to seventeen. All Scripture is God breathed and is profitable for instruction, for conviction, for correction, for training, and righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient. So this is discipline here, for instruction, for conviction, for correction. That's discipline, for training and righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Discipline is meant to be correctional, to give your kids, your, child, your children, an idea of the way they're meant to be. This is good, this is not. 
But what this is saying here in Timothy is pretty much saying our discipline must line up with God's word. If, a, if I'm talking about my example here, but if my four-year-old spills a bottle of milk because I left the lid off, guess whose fault it is? It's my fault. It's not his. He's not an idiot because he spilled the milk. He's not clumsy. Kids break things. And they'll break more things if you're impatient because the Lord wants to teach you patience. We discipline for the things that line up with God. Because, again, number 16, because all Scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for instruction, for conviction, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. No, son, you can't punch your brother in the face. Why, Dad? Because God calls us to love our brothers. So what should we do? I should love my brother. Sounds super easy. <laughs> Come to my house. <laughs> it starts off with that, and then it changes. And it, but it does start with that. That's the discipline. You know, and I think we all know what <clears throat> godly discipline would look like. I don't need to tell you. But it's not bashing your son over the head with the Bible. It's not, it's not chucking scriptures in, in front of him in terms of in naming and shaming him. It's through love. It's through love that you discipline your children. Godly dads disciplines, discipline the ones they love. Third principle. Godly dads demonstrate how to follow Christ. If you come to my house, you will always hear, because I have four children, this one phrase. And it usually goes by something like this. So we'll all jump on the tramp, or they'll all jump on the tramp, and we'll go, we have, little, we have many we have competitions. Like I said, I have four brothers, uh, sorry, four sons, and everything's a competition in our house. You know, and they're always wanting to show me things. So we'll all jump on the tramp, and it'll be to do moves or something like that. And they'll say, well, so we'll all get started. And so let's give Manu an example. So if you're jumping along, you'll be ju jumping, jumping, and then you'll stop and you'll be, Dad, Dad, watch me. Watch me, Dad. And then you'll do a move that doesn't resemble anything he said. And then there'll be another punch up. And then I'll say, what has God done? What does God call us to do? Call your brother. But you know what I mean? It's the watch me. Our kids are always saying, watch me, watch me, watch me, Dad. Watch me. All the time. They're constantly after our affirmation. They're constantly after our, our feedback. They constantly want to know that we love them and that we're watching them. We probably need to reverse that round. And we need to say, son, watch me. Watch me. Watch what I'm doing. Watch how I follow Christ. Watch how I pray. Watch how I treat a woman. Watch how I love your wife. First Corinthians four, 
verses 15 and 16. For even if you were to have 10,000 teachers in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ, uh, father in Christ Jesus through the good news. So I urge you, be imitators of me. Watch what I do. And do what I do. Dad, how am I meant to pray? Dad, how am I going to treat a woman when I grow up? Dad, what does it mean to trust God and be generous? Son, listen, watch me. Watch me. 1 Corinthians again, 11, chapter one, uh, verse 1. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. See, this is what a watchable dad is. A watchable dad is one imitating Christ. We don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. We can't decide if we want some things for our kids to watch and some for our kids to not. Our kids are watching us, dads. No matter what. And I think we've all been there where you're child has seen or done something and said something that you're not happy with and then you've realized you're like man where'd you get that from and you sort of know you're like I think that's I think that's come from me we've all been there Uh, I don't know if you like country songs, so I'm going to sing a country. No, I'm not. Um, there's a song by Rodney Atkins called Watching You. I'm going to try not to sing it. It's the lyrics to it. I'm just going to read them out. No. <laughs> I'm going to try not to. Every time I try to read the lyrics, I'm, yeah. Uh, well, I'll try not to. No, I'm not going to sing it. Thank you. Thank you for advising. <laughs> right. Cue the music. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Driving through town, just my boy and me, with a Happy Meal in his booster seat, knowing that he couldn't have the toy till his nuggets were all gone. We'll be there, trying to stop your kids from playing with the toys so they can eat their nuggets. Green traffic light turned straight to red. I hit my brakes and mumbled under my breath. We're all Christians, so we've never mumbled under our breath. Hey. His fries went flying and his orange drink covered his lap. Well, then my four-year-old said a four-letter word that started with S, and I was concerned. So I said, now, son, where did you learn to talk like that? He said, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm a buckaroo. I want to be like you. I want to eat all my food and grow up as tall as you are. We've got cowboy boots and camo pants. Yeah, we're just alike. Hey, ain't that, we, ain't that cool, Dad? I want to do everything you do. So I've been watching you. That's the bad side. We got back home and I went to the barn. I bowed my head and I prayed real hard. Said, Lord, please help me. Help my stupid self. Then this side of bedtime later that night, turning on my son's Scooby-Doo nightlight, he crawled out of his bed and he got down on his knees. He closed his little eyes, folded his little hands and spoke to God like he was talking to his friend. And I said, Dad, where'd you learn to pray like that? Uh, son, where'd you learn to pray like that? He said, Dad, I've been watching you, Dad. 
that's the dad I want to be. And I'm sure that's the dad you guys want to be. The truth is, and that song reveals it, whether we like it or not, whether our, our, our actions should be imitated or not, your kids are going to. Your children will imitate you. Godly dads demonstrate how to follow Christ. Fourth thing. Last principle. Godly dads will delight in their children. 1 John 3, uh, verse 1. See, what an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us that we should be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Do you guys know that God the Father delights in you? God the Father wants to talk to you. God the Father loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to be generous to you. He wants to forgive you. God the Father wants you. Imagine if he didn't. Imagine if we spun that round and the God, the Father, didn't want to spend time with you, didn't want to talk to you, never forgave you, was angry all the time, wrath all the time, had no grace or no mercy. What would that do with your relationship with the Lord? You'd probably run the other way, wouldn't you? It'd probably push you away from that relationship. You wouldn't have a relationship. So do your kids know that you love them? Do your kids know that you want to spend time with them? Do your kids know that you pray for them, that you forgive them? Do the kids know that you delight in them? The only way all these principles work is if your kids truly know that you love them. That you genuinely love them to the moon and back. When your kids genuinely delight, uh, when, you, when your kids genuinely, de genuinely delight in you, when it comes to watching you, when it comes to discipline, when it comes to all these things that you're leading, they will follow you. When you say, listen, little man, listen, bro, in my house, we follow the Lord. He's going to follow the Lord too, because that's what his dad did. Godly dads will delight in their children. These aren't crazy out the, out the gate things. These are just four biblical godly principles that God has given us in the book of truth to raise our children as dads. As dads, we are so blessed to have this authority and be given this role to 
raise children, and do this. And what a perfect example we have in our Father to be able to do that. Um, you've got, we've got the scripture up here at the moment. Uh, the Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. We all need to be that lion for our family. Like the, like the Lord is the lion for us. He roars for us. We need to roar for our family. We need to lead our family spiritually, physically. Every way we have given, been given authority to do so, we lead. And that might be tough. It gets tough sometimes. I know it does. But we have a perfect example in our Lord to be able to do that. You have to roar for your family. Just like, it, just like the Lion of Judah roared. You might be here as well thinking maybe that I haven't been able to do any of these things and I'm failing miserably at all of these. Well, you've got a good God. That has plenty of grace. And you have heaps of time and it's never too late. It's never too late to correct your path. God is a God of restoration. Again, even if you're a bit wiser, and even if you're a mum that is raising your children on your own, or a grandfather or grandparent, these principles will still applicable to you. Are you raising children in your home? These principles is a track for you to keep to. I encourage you to be a godly dad and to remind you that you have a perfect dad as an example and a God that is with you through the whole process. The whole process. I love that panel here of hearing those men share the way they lead their family. There's a lot of wisdom there. And there's a lot of wisdom in our communities and around you. And we need to lean into that sort of stuff as well. I want to finish with a prayer. But I want all the dads to either stand up or come up here. Just stand up now, actually. Just stand up where you are, all the fathers, please. If we can. I want all the mums and the children just to either raise your hand and lay your hands on your fathers or just point your hands to them as we pray. God, thank you for dads. Thank you for the opportunity to be the father you are to us. God, we don't accept this role lightly. And I know you ask a lot of us. And God, we ask for help in doing these things, Father. God, we continuously devote ourselves to our families, to honoring you, that we lovingly discipline the ones we love so they will bear the fruit and live righteous lifestyles that please you. Thank you, Father. God, that we can demonstrate what it's like to follow Jesus to our kids. 
can look to us, so they can look to us and say, I know how to follow Jesus. Because I know how to follow dad. Our kids will want to say, I know how to follow Jesus because I follow dad. And God, we will continue to help you. We ask that you help us to delight in our children, even when we're tired, even when we're sad, even when we're angry, Father. And when we just get home on the couch, Father, we just pray for that patience, Father. But we also need to acknowledge our mums, Father. Help us acknowledge that our mums might need to sit on that couch. Help us understand our wives, Father. Help us understand to love our children, to play with them, spend time with them, listen to them. Tell them we love them. Make sure they know it. Dad, thank you for being the dad you are to us. Amen.